appreciate um, everyone, your faithfulness today. Let's turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 6 this morning. Luke chapter 6. It's good to see you here on this Lord's Day as we start the week off. And no doubt, as uh, all of us have done, we've uh, had a busy week trying to earn a living. And we all have to work for a living, don't we? And whilst, uh, while some perhaps have to work harder, harder than others, it is man's lot in life to labor. However, in God's formation of our world, we're going to note that He patterned and then legislated rest uh, as part of His design. And we're going to see this as the Sabbath. However, what is the Sabbath? And what lessons can we learn from it? You know, some equate Sabbath to our not forsaking our times together, together as the church. Uh, they relay the Sabbath to our church attendance and not doing anything on Sunday. Nothing else. Is this true? Uh, some make the Sabbath to mean a time of rest and that means, however frequent or whatever you do, so long as you rest, then it's considered Sabbath. However, does simply taking a rest mean you're applying the principle of Sabbath? Uh, some make the Sabbath necessary as part of salvation. Uh, this is believed by Mormons and, and Seventh-day Adventists, but it's misguided, isn't it? And erroneous. So is the idea of, of the Sabbath something then that as we as Christians in this dispensation, is the idea of the Sabbath something that we ought to take heed of then? Um, and I believe though that there are some lessons for us to consider. And in the process, we're going to define the Sabbath even as Jesus clarified when He was accused by the Pharisees of dishonoring it. And we're going to see that in Luke chapter 6. Look at verse 1 and read along with me down to verse 12. And it came to pass... On the second Sabbath after the first, that he went through the cornfields, and his disciples plucked the ears of corn and did eat, rubbing them in their hands. And certain of the Pharisees, and it just amazes me that the Pharisees uh, would, often, um, uh, would often look at Jesus and look to find fault in him. And certain of the Pharisees said unto them, Why do ye that ye, uh, why do ye that which is not lawful? to do on the Sabbath days. And Jesus answering them said, Have you not read so much as this, what David did when himself was unhungered and they which were with him? How he went into the house of God and he did take and eat the showbread and gave also to them that were with him, which is, which is not lawful to eat for the priests alone. And so Jesus responds with this illustration from Scripture referring to David after he was accused there of dishonoring the Sabbath, and he said unto them, Notice this that the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. And he's reminding them that as they were observing him and, and really throwing accusations at him, that in all, uh, in all reality, he's also the Lord of the Sabbath. That he was the one, uh, being God, that instituted it. And notice verse 6 and it came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught. And, and if you note Jesus' life, so often he, during the Sabbath he would go 
into synagogues and teach. And there was a man whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees, again look at this, watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts. And let's be reminded of that, that the Lord Jesus, our, the God, uh, he, he knows our thoughts. And he knew their thoughts and said to the man which had the withered hand, Rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he rose and stood forth. So he said to this man who had a withered hand, Go and stand in the midst of everyone. Let everyone see you. And he says this, Then said Jesus unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil? To save life or to destroy it? And looking round about upon them all, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And they were filled with madness and communed one with another that they might, what they might do to Jesus. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And so we're just going to see here that how the Lord Jesus responds to these accusations that he had about the Sabbath. And, and really, the Sabbath, which was meant to be a, and is a covenant between Israel and God, as a sign of their sanctification toward him, which indeed, if you read through Scripture, was meant to be a time of rest. The problem was it was added upon by the Pharisees. They kept adding legislation to it. They kept adding uh, to, the, to the meaning of it. They kept adding works to it. And this time of rest was added upon by the Pharisees and really had become so overly complex that it defeated the purpose. Here Jesus seeks to, to correct them by helping them understand Firstly, that He was the Lord of the Sabbath. That He was the one that instituted it. And I believe that there is a very real need today, I think, to learn some principles we can apply as we think about the purpose of the Sabbath. Jesus being the Lord of the Sabbath, if you think about that, was all about the Sabbath. He didn't dismiss it, but He chose to clarify it. He chose to illustrate it. And then we're going to see He chose to complete it. And so we're going to ask the Lord to just bless, and then we'll get into the message this morning. Let's pray. Father God, we just want to come before you. And thank you, dear Lord, that in your, in your word, Lord, you, you've, you've designed in a way the, uh, some principles, Lord, that will help us in our, in our daily lives. And we do pray, Father, that you'd help us this morning as we look into your word. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, as we study this, uh, Lord, this idea of the Sabbath and Lord, indeed, it is you that instituted that. But help us, Lord, to make application for us in this day. And uh, we note, dear God, that, Lord, we live in a time, Lord, of, of much work, much toil. And at times, dear God, we can get carried away with that. And yet, Lord, there's a, there's a truer rest, a better rest that you give us. And so I pray that you'd help us even this, this morning as we open up your word. I pray that you'd be magnified in it. In Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. And Notice the first thing here is a clarification. And again, in verse 5, the Lord Jesus says, He is Lord also of the Sabbath. And we know that the, the Lord is the Lord of all. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And, and you understand that Jesus was not merely a good teacher. He was not merely just a, a person who, uh, who represented God. He was God Himself. And so we understand that, that when He makes this statement, it was really a reminder that he was Lord over all, but he in, included in that, he said, notice this, Lord also of the Sabbath. 
And what Jesus was clarifying here was, was that indeed He is the Lord of all, which means that He is also the Lord of the Sabbath. That, that means He was the originator, the author, and therefore the one that set the ground rules. And what had happened in this day, and the problem was this, the Pharisees had complicated the Sabbath. Much like they did, they, did, they added to the law, they added also to this covenant of the Sabbath. So, so to start off with, we're going to consider what God had actually said about the Sabbath. See, what, what the Pharisees were doing was they were adding to this. They were giving more toil. They were giving more work. They were complicating the matter. And yet God was very, very straightforward about it. And so let's study our Bibles this morning. Look at Exodus chapter 31. Look at, it, look at Exodus chapter 31. And we're going to learn a, a few things about the Sabbath here. Exodus chapter 31. And notice, uh, notice here verses 12 to, uh, let's read down to verse 18. Exodus chapter 31, and thanks for turning there. And we'll keep our, we'll keep our bookmarks here a little bit. We'll, we'll read through it, then refer to it uh, from time to time. But notice verse 12, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, So God's about to give the law. He's about to give the, the social laws of the, for the nation, how they were to operate. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbaths ye shall keep. For it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. Ye shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy unto you. Everyone that defileth it shall surely be put to death. For whosoever doeth any work therein, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days may work be done, but in the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whosoever doeth any work in the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Wherefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. So it's an agreement between God and the nation of Israel. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And he gave unto Moses when he had made an end of communion, uh, communing with him upon Mount Sinai, two tables of testimony, tables of stone, written with the finger of God. And so, as part of this, uh, part of the the law giving that uh, that God gave to Moses on the mountain, He gave instructions about the specific covenant that they were to have, this agreement, which is called the Sabbath. And so, some particular things here as we think about this. Firstly, it's a sign between God and the nation of Israel. Notice that here in verse thirteen, He said, "Speak thou also unto the children of Israel." And then in verse 17, it is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. So understand that the, the Sabbath in its, uh, in its uh, original form given to the, uh, children of, or was given to the children of Israel as a sign between them and God. So understand this for us. The Sabbath uh, was only for the nation of Israel. Okay, so the, 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 uh, the practice of it, of it and, and we note there that the Sabbath is the last day of the week, which is Saturday. And so this is a sign, this, this rest day was to be a sign between God and the nation, nation of Israel. It's for the nation of Israel. So neither Gentiles nor the church have any part of it. All right, from, from, this, uh, from this direct point of view, um, notice there that they were to rest from work as God rested from work. He makes that illustration there. A direct, a direct connotation there in verse 17. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. 
For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. And so what's that referring to? Creation, right? So now turn to Genesis chapter 2. Look at Genesis chapter 2. We know there that after God spoke the world into existence, that in Genesis chapter 2, look at verse 1. He says there, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day God, made, uh, God ended His work which He had made, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work which He had made. Now, ask yourself this, uh, can God get tired? Do you think that was hard work for God? This, this was not. It was a labor for Him in the sense of He did a work, but He wasn't... He wasn't he didn't need to take a rest, but he did that to set a pattern, to set an example, and really to, to, give a, uh, to, to set an example here uh, for the nation of Israel. Uh, they were to, God, God doesn't get tired. He's a spirit, but he set a pattern of rest after the labor. So he was, he was saying here to the nation that this sign between you and I, it's, it's a rest for that seven, uh, on that seventh day, that Saturday. You are to, to cease from from work, from the normal toil. And you understand that they lived in a time where, where very much it was an agricultural society. And they did, they had to labor physically. They had to labor in all that they had to do to be able to make a living, to be able to live. And God was saying on the seventh, you are to cease from that. You are to rest. And so it's a sign between God and the nation of Israel in their resting. But then also notice it's also eternal in length. He says, go back to Exodus 31. He says, it is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. He says, it's going to be a perpetual covenant. That means it's to be passed on. And if you note today, even in the nation of Israel, uh, as part of the orthodoxy, they still take the Sabbath on the Saturday. Of, uh, a couple of years ago, we, uh, we took a, a, a family day together. We, we had... Um, we had we had taken an overnight, um, overnight, uh, just resting time at uh, in in um, in Sydney, and uh, the whole family was there, including my extended uh, family. So all of my siblings and their their families were all there, and we didn't we didn't really plan anything. We just thought, you know, what what can we do? And so we went out and we just took the bus and we went down to um, to. We thought, look, we've never been to the Jewish Museum, and we thought that'd be interesting. I'd love to see what that's all about. So we took the bus. It was a bit of a ways. Then we, we ended up taking the wrong stop. So we started to walk about one or two kilometers with all the kids. And if you've ever done that, that's, that's, uh, that's tough. But we started to walk and we got to the door. And there was a sign there that said, closed for the Sabbath. And we forgotten it was Saturday. And obviously that would be closed. And I thought, boy, what a thing to forget by a preacher, right? But... We got there, and, and what I'm saying is it's, a, it's eternal in length. They're still practicing it. And in fact, there's an there's a, there's a, a expectation by God that they will continue to. In several places in Scripture, in Ezekiel 44, 24, in, in controversy, they shall stand in judgment. They shall judge it according to my judgments. And they shall keep my laws and my statutes in all mine assemblies. And they shall hallow my Sabbaths. And now, we won't take the time to read through all of the references, but if you look at Ezekiel 45, 17, 46, 1, uh, verses 3 and 4 and 12, it talks about God's expectation that it's going to continue to be practiced by His people. And again, that's Israel, not us. 
right? The, the Sabbath was for them as a sign between them and God. And, and so it's eternal in length. But then also notice thirdly, it, its purpose was for Israel to know that, that it is the Lord who sanctifies them. And he, he says that for them in verse 13 again. He says that you may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. And so the practice of the Sabbath was really a reminder that they were set apart for God and to God. They were sanctified by Him. He set them apart. He, he, he plucked them out, out of all the nations. And it wasn't because they were the biggest nation. No, it wasn't anything. God, God uh, picked them to be His nation. And it was a reminder for them that God had set them apart for a purpose. All right, but then fourthly, Israel is to observe the Sabbath, for it is holy to them. It was, a, it was meant to be a time dedicated to the Lord. All right, it wasn't meant to be for any other action. It was just a time dedicated to the Lord. It was made for man to reflect on God and His work. The very nature of Sabbath was a remembrance that God worked and then He rested. It was as much a, commem a commemoration of what God had done that preceded His rest. And so this rest was meant to symbolize the people's separation unto the Lord. But again, the key component though was rest. Rest from the normal toil, the, the work, but that was not necessary. But the problem was this, in Jesus' day, the Pharisees had created more toil with their extended sabbatical rules when the order of the day was to simply cease from toil. And Jesus reminded them again that He was the Lord of the Sabbath, not them. They want to institute that. They, it, he instituted that and that He had already drawn the line where it needed to be drawn. It was His charge to follow, not their additions. And He was clarifying that it was a day of rest, not paranoia. And, and that's, what, that's what was happening with the Pharisees continually watching Jesus. And particularly here in our story on the Sabbath, they were paranoid. There was a paranoia about them. When really the opposite was to be true of them, they were to rest that day. And so Jesus sought to clarify it firstly, but then Jesus sought to illustrate it. Go back to, to our text here in Luke chapter 6, and then we're also going to see a, a cross-reference here in Mark chapter 2. And, um, and he, he says there again in verse 5, And he said unto them that the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath, and he uses, before he speaks that, before and after, he, he uses two illustrations there, one of David and then one of the man whose hand was withered that he restores. But look at Mark chapter 2. Go to Mark chapter 2. And notice uh, they're here the same story. Mark chapter 2, look at verses 23 to 28. And uh, just continue with me here and follow along and we'll make application in a bit. But notice here. And so he, he goes in, um, and he, he speaks to the, uh, to, to, the, to the Pharisees again in verse 23. And it came to pass that he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath, and his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. And here again the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? And he said unto them, Have ye never read that David, what David did when he had need, and was hungered he and they that were with him? How he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar, 
the high priest and did eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priests, and gave also to them which were with him. And notice verse 27, he said unto them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. What a curious thing to say. But he's reminding them, no, the, no, the Sabbath was made for man. It was for them. The, the point was to bless them. It was meant to be a blessing to them, rest. In verse 28, therefore the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. So again, it's interesting to note here that Jesus' intent for the Sabbath was not to lay greater burden on man, but for it to be for man, a blessing to him. And the whole idea of being at rest from normal toil, again, it was meant to be a blessing for man. And I think indeed, if we would all, I think we would all agree if we consider how hard we work through the week, that it is good to rest at times, isn't it? It is good to rest. It's rest is a blessing. You know, when you put your pillow, uh, put your head on your pillow at night, and you've had a hard day, isn't it a blessing to finally close your eyes and fall asleep? Isn't it a blessing to to know that that God built into uh, our humanity, how we're designed, rest. And I think we understand, we all agree that physical rest, it's a blessing. But, but the, the point that Jesus was making was this in his illustrations. It's not meant to hinder man. It's meant to aid man. It's meant to be a blessing to him. Man was made for the, uh, the, the Sabbath was made for the man. All right. It was meant to be a blessing to him. And notice the two illustrations here he, he made, the first one was of eating. Okay, and we're Baptists, we like eating. All right, but eating, it was the first thing. He says the Pharisee, and we note the Pharisees accused Jesus and his disciples of picking corn to eat whilst it was a Sabbath. And then Jesus, to, to counter that, teaches them that David indeed ate of the showbread when he was hungry. In Mark 2.26 there, he says how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the high priest and did eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priest and gave also to them which were with him. And you can note that story in 1 Samuel chapter 21. We won't take the time. But David was in the midst of, a, um, of, of, of hardship with his men. They were, they were toiling in, in battle. And they come, they came in and, and the only thing that, that the priest could offer was this showbread, and, and yet he partook of it, and it was not counted against him. And the point was this, the Sabbath was meant to be a day to gain sustenance from God's providence. See, through the week, God had been faithful to, to, uh, to, to bless their crops, and they had to be faithful to labor and to work to be able to supply their need. And on that day, they were not to abstain from eating. They were not to abstain from, from the fruit of, the, of, of the, the fields. They were just to go and, and enjoy the sustenance of God's provision. And uh, if you look at Leviticus chapter 25, just to further the thought here, look at Leviticus chapter 25. Notice verses 1 and 6. And here's an interesting thing that the Lord instituted as well. It was a Sabbath of the land. And the Lord spake unto Moses in Mount Sinai, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, When you come into the land which I gave you, 
Then shall the land keep a Sabbath unto the Lord. So not only were they to, to keep the Sabbath in, the, in that there was no toil on the seventh day, but on the seventh year they were to give rest to the land. Six years thou shalt sow thy field, and six years thou shalt prune thy vineyard, and gather in the fruit thereof. But in the seventh year shall be a Sabbath of rest unto the land. A Sabbath for the Lord thou shalt neither sow thy field, nor prune thy vineyard. They weren't to plant, they weren't to put new crops out. That which groweth of its own accord of thy harvest, thou shalt not reap. Neither gather the grapes of thy vine undressed, for it is a year of rest unto the land. And the Sabbath of the land shall be meat for you, for thee and for thy servants, for thy maid and for thy hired servant, and for the stranger that sojourneth with thee. And for thy cattle and for thy beasts that are in thy land shall all the increase thereof be meat. And, and so that time was specifically the... the the gaining of that was for the poor, those who were needy, but they were not to partake. But notice what God did then in return. Look at verses 20 to 22. Notice verses 20 to 22. He says, and if you shall say, what shall we eat the seventh year? So they were thinking, well, if we were to obey this, what are we going to eat on the seventh year? He said this, he said, behold, we shall not sow nor gather in our increase. Then I will command my blessings upon you in the sixth year, and it shall bring forth fruit for three years. And ye shall sow the eighth year and eat yet of old fruit until the ninth year, until her fruits come in. Ye shall eat of the old store. And so he's saying, I'm going to do a miracle, and on the sixth year, you're going to have a bumper crop, and it's going to take you through even to three years. It's going to take you through. And so he's saying here, I'm going to sustain you by my providence. If you would practice the Sabbath, if you would trust me in this, and by the way, this was a trust issue. This wasn't simply a, a good idea. We're going to note, and if you, you ever read a little bit about agriculture, there is, a, there is a great benefit to resting the land every seventh year. God knew what He was doing, right? He's the one that created it. And He knew virtually all agricultural colleges know the benefit of crop rotations and of resting the land by putting it in pasture or covering crops periodically. But God knew, and, and, and this was a trust issue. He was saying here, do you trust me in, in that, that I will feed you? And, and yet the, the Pharisees were denying Jesus of this time of, of blessing. And what Jesus was teaching was the practice of rest in his given ratio. It, it's, it's meant to bless, not rob. And what the Pharisees were doing and adding to the Sabbath was this. They were robbing. They were robbing the the great blessing and the great pleasure of that. And again, this was overall a trust issue. Do they trust God to provide when they obey Him in rest? And what I'm saying is they're eating like David. It wasn't breaking the Sabbath. It was an affirmation of God's intent in blessing their trust by furthering their supply. So Jesus was saying this, eat. I've given it to you. Partake. But then notice, secondly, the second illustration was one of Healing. In Luke chapter 6, we, we note the story there in verses 6 to 12 of a man who came in with, in the synagogue while Jesus was teaching, who had a withered hand, and Jesus comes to him and says, stand in the midst, knowing the accusations of the Pharisees, whether he would heal. And God heals him and restores that withered hand. And, and, and secondly, in, his, in this illustration of healing, it's really a picture of the Sabbath as a means of restoration. 
See, the practice of resting periodically is meant to illustrate the restorative powers of one, obeying Christ, but then obeying in that rest. It's meant to illustrate the restorative powers of rest. Just like the land is restored because of that seventh year of rest. It's interesting to note also in Leviticus chapter 25, and if you go back there, if you haven't turned away, but notice verses 13 and 14. Interesting here in verses 13 to 14. In the year of this jubilee, ye shall return every man unto his possession. And if thou sell aught unto thy neighbor or buyest aught of thy neighbor's hand, ye shall not oppress one another. And that year of jubilee was the 50th year, the seven times seventh and the following year. And God was just patterning this in, in, his, in his word. And that seventh year, what he was saying was all debts were to be forgiven. They were to be restored. And again, he's messaging here the whole thing of Sabbath was not only for sustenance and trusting in his provision, it was also meant to be a time of restoration. They were to restore some things and they were not to oppress in that. And again, rest always results in a restoration of strength, a restoration of hope, and a restoration of vitality. And if you note Jesus Often in his earthly ministry, he made it a habit to rest and come apart from the busy grind of ministry and life. And so we would do well to find times of rest for restoration and strength. See, in a workaholic world, we must take heed to have some Sabbath time. You know, I know of, of preachers who, you know, who, who think you've got to grind it out and you've got to, you're going to rust out or burn out. But I'd rather do neither. I'd rather not rust out nor burn out. I'd like to just keep going for Christ. And I hope that we would take that mentality with us as well. That we would take some time of restoration. Some time of, some time of, of gaining His sustenance. And so He illustrates some truths there. But then notice really His intent. And notice lastly, look at, look at Luke chapter 6 again. Notice lastly, that not only he sought to clarify, there was a clarification, there was some illustration. What he was saying was this, lastly, there was going to be a completion. See, just like so many things of the, of the law, it was a really a shadow of a better thing to come. And what had happened was, they were so overwhelmed by the law, they were so overwhelmed by all of the additions even that there was no rest even if it was the one day sometimes it was it wasn't even rest for them and Jesus says this he's also Lord also of the Sabbath and what he was meaning is this in all reality the main point that the Lord was making was that he was the fulfillment of the Sabbath what he clarified and what he illustrated was ultimately something he was going to complete. See, you, whilst the Sabbath was a blessing, it was temporal. It was one day a week. It, it was one year every seven. It was one in every 50. And, and he was saying it was temporal. It's, it's one day that wouldn't last. Yet what Christ was offering through His work is eternal rest and a permanent rest. 
Look at Hebrews chapter 4. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. And notice verses, uh, verses 1 to 4. Let us therefore fear lest our promise being left us of eternity, entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So they didn't believe. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And then look at verse 9. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. And so what Jesus was referring to as the Lord of the Sabbath was this, not only am I going to clarify it, not only have I patterned it for you, how can I illustrate it in that it's meant to provide sustenance, it's meant to provide uh, restoration. I'm, not going to, I'm also not going to complete it. It's not just going to be a temporal thing. It's going to be a completed thing. It's going to be an eternal thing. You see, Jesus offers rest to those who would believe in Him. And what I'm saying this morning is this, the Sabbath for the Christian, it's not a day. It's not a place. It's a person. It's Jesus Christ. If you, if you would uh, take some time, and if you would rest from a physical sense, and you might have some plans over the summer to go on holiday, but you leave Christ out, then you've missed the point. Because your Sabbath is not a time. Your Sabbath is not a day. Your Sabbath is not a place to go. Your Sabbath is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's completed it. He's finished it. It's no longer temporal. It's no longer only something that, that comes once a week. It's something that you can continually have. Because Christ dwells in you. Because we can abide in Him. And He's reminding us, that He is the Lord of the Sabbath. He offers you and I His, His work for, for our rest. See, the picture was God worked and then He rested. And oftentimes we look at our lives as if we have to labor, then we can rest. And we understand that from a physical sense. We're not saying be lazy. But you know what? In our, in our, in our Christian life, it's really no longer us that labors it's, it's His labor, and therefore we can rest. He labored first, and now we can have rest. You see, our rest isn't preceded by our labor. It's, it's produced because of His labor. We can rest in Christ because of His work on the cross. And you know, this day, none of us here are attending church just because we want to get favor from God and somehow work our way to heaven. The work's done, ladies and gentlemen. It's done. Now we can enter into the rest. In our salvation, we don't have to worry anymore. We don't have to toil each day. No, we can rest in the promises of God. We can rest in the promise of, that He made, that it was His work. It's for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not our labor. He's already labored. And we enter into His Sabbath. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. 
He's our rest. We don't need to work to gain rest in heaven. You see, what we can do is we can work here on earth as Christians because we have the promise of rest in heaven. See, the, the point is this. We do labor. We do toil at this time. Yet there is a promised rest. We don't labor so we can get the rest. We labor because we do have rest. It's promised. And one day, all of our labors and all of our toils, all of the, the, the things that we worry about, they'll all fade away. It'll just be an insignificant memory of the past. It'll be a rest. And we, have, we can labor now. I think about the Scripture in Revelation 14, 13, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. And I'm glad that, that whilst we work hard here, and whilst we do have a, a time of service for the Lord here, a reasonable service, by the way, whilst we have that, we have a promised rest that we can look to His work and our rest, but then His power and our rest. Look at Matthew chapter 11. Look at Matthew 11, and maybe some of you anticipated we'd come here, but Matthew 11, look at verse 28. And so, He completed it. So our, our rest is no longer, it's not, a, it's not a place, it's not a day, it's not a time. It's a person. But then secondly here, His power, our rest, our Sabbath comes completed when we truly see Christ as our partner. Look at Matthew eleven twenty eight. Look at this. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And again, God's using... The Lord Jesus is using an agricultural uh, illustration here of two, uh, two or more beasts uh, alongside each other in a yoke. And He's saying here, you're going to find rest if you yoke up with Me. You're going to find rest if you understand that it's not found in a place. It's not found in a day. It's found in a person and it's found in a partnership with Him. It's found in our walk with Him. Resting is found in partnership with with the Lord Jesus Christ. When we lean upon Christ and we walk closely with Him, then we truly find rest. See, we can, we can take all of the holidays that we, uh, we want, but the toil and the labor and all of the, 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 the problems at times of life will still be there. And sometimes we stay up all night worrying and, trying to, and fretting how we're going to work it out when all we should be doing is resting, knowing that our great Savior, He's already completed it. He's, he's already got the power to overcome it. He's already given us rest. And you know, we will toil, but there's always strength to be given. We'll sense the weariness, but there will always be provision. We'll labor with all our hearts, but there will always be joy. We'll work hard in service with the promise of fruit as we rest upon Him. We may at times become discouraged and broken, but there's always healing. It's His power that we're relying on, and so we rest in His might. 
the decision to make here is, do we trust Jesus to enable us or will we ignore the Sabbath He offers? See, too many Christians labor without the power of Christ and find themselves burnt out and broken. Too too many Christians toil through their problems. They worry and fret and they can't sleep at night without leaning on the everlasting arms. And that's why it's it's such a needful thing that we would partner with Him in our moments and in our days. Do you want rest? Do you want rest for your souls? Do you, do you want to labor in this life with the, with the supply of energy that you need? Then you're going to not find it in a place. You're not going to find it in a day. You're going to find it in a person and in a partnership. He's completed the Sabbath. That's why we ought to walk with Him. You know, sometimes we, we, we sort of make that a difficult thing, like we walk with God. But really, it's just, it's just being with Him through the day. It's taking time through the day at times to speak with Him, to acknowledge His presence in our lives and the need for His power in our lives, to at times have some time dedicated to pray and to, to, uh, to worship Him and to praise Him. No, it, it, it's a walk with Him. And this partnership is, uh, what I'm saying, is our sustenance and it's our restoration. It's the whole point of the Sabbath, but here spiritually for us. You know, if you're here this, uh, this morning and you're feeling beaten down by life, if you're feeling like there's no sustenance and there's no restoration, then I want to I give you good news this morning. You do have a completed Sabbath in Christ. You can rest on Him. You can rest in the promises. You can rest in His power. You can rest in the work that He's already done. You can rest in the will that He has for you. You can rest in the plan of of God for your life. You can rest on Him. He's your Sabbath. I think about 2 Corinthians 4.16, For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And I wonder if you're renewing day by day. I wonder if you're taking on the fact that the Lord Jesus is a constant companion and friend that you can rest on Him and, and trust Him in, in the provision of your life. And trust Him in the restoration that you need. And so you see, the problem is we keep complicating life. We keep, we keep taking on the toil and the labor. When we need to simplify, really, and trust the Lord and find our rest in Him. What I'm asking this morning is, will you allow the Lord to be the Lord also of the Sabbath? Will you take some time each day to rest in Him? Will you recognize that His work means your rest? Will you surrender your toil and lean upon your Savior? I'll close with this. There was one man who challenged another to an all-day wood chopping contest. And so the challenger worked very hard, stopping only briefly for, for a lunch break. The other man, as he observed him, Leisurely went through lunch, took several breaks during the day. And at the end of the day, the challenger was surprised and somewhat annoyed and frustrated to find that the other fellow had chopped so much more wood than he had. He says this, I don't get it. Every time I checked, you were taking rest 
yet you chopped more wood than I did. And so the winning woodsman responded, you didn't notice. Every time that I sat down to rest, I was sharpening my axe. And you know, the problem is this. Oftentimes we don't utilize the power of resting in Christ. And we're chopping all day long. And it just doesn't seem like we're getting anywhere. It just seems like we're toiling harder than ever. But you're missing, you're missing your true rest. You're missing the completed work of Christ in your life. And maybe, maybe today, you'll just lay some burdens off you and rest a little while in your true Sabbath in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you. I want to thank you, dear Lord, for the opportunity that we have to gather. And Father, Father, we know that all of us here, we have burdens to bear. We, we toil and labor in this life. And yet, Lord, at times I believe that we miss the great rest that we can have in the midst of that. And that's just simply having your presence and having your power upon our lives. I pray, Father, that you'd help us, Lord, to have some time even this morning to lay some burdens before you. Lord, to just rest upon you and rest in the promises that you've given us. I pray that you'd help us, Lord. And The piano can begin to play with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. The piano can begin to play. And I want to ask you a couple of questions this morning as we have this time of invitation. Maybe firstly, you're here this morning and if you were to observe your life, you understand that you've been laboring, laboring to get to heaven. That all you do is you're trying to be good so that one day, hopefully, God will let you in. But let me just tell you this morning, it's not our labors that will get us there. Because he's already finished the work. He's already completed the work on the cross. And he's paid for your sin. And simply this this morning, if you would trust in him, if you would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you would recognize your lack, if you would recognize your sin and turn to Christ to save you, then he promises that whosoever calls on him will be saved. Maybe you're here this morning and if I were to ask you if you were to die today, would you know for sure that Jesus is your Savior, that, that you will find your rest in Him? Is there anyone this morning that says, I'm, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure I would have that assurance. Is there anyone this morning? I'm not sure. Just with an uplifted hand, I won't call you out. I won't embarrass you. I'll just pray for you this morning. Is there anyone at all? I'm not sure. I thought I just had to labor and work as hard as I could and one day I can be there. But see, the Bible tells us for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Is there anyone at all? Just with an uplifted hand, I just want to pray for you this morning. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Anyone at all? And then Christian, I want to address you this morning. Have you been bearing those burdens? Have you been toiling powerless? Have you been toiling without the presence of God in your situation, in your circumstance? Maybe you're here this morning and that's you. you 
You've, you've not taken care of. You've not taken the rest that is available to you. Is there anyone this morning, just with an uplifted hand, I just want to pray for you this morning. I want to rest in Christ. I want to rest in Christ. Anyone this morning? I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Anyone else? And I want to, I want to challenge you this morning. Why don't we take some time even this morning to take some burdens off us and recognize that the Lord Jesus is there. He's our Sabbath. I want to encourage you, if you raise your hand, those of you that I want to challenge you to come to this altar this morning and take some time to rest in Christ. Let's all stand. No one looking around. Let's all stand. No one looking around. But why don't we take the time this morning, uh, maybe there at your seat, maybe here at the, at the altar, why don't we take our time? Let's rest in Christ.